And I love Ukraine with all my heart. And I, I really want to come back here. And I like, I'm still here. Like I was this year, I was probably in 2020, I was more in Ukraine than wherever else in, in, um, in the world. And my parents were not really happy with it because they're like, okay, Olga, you have to find a job somewhere in Europe. And I'd be like, yeah, but I really want to stay here because I love it. I love the people in Ukraine. I love the culture, everything. This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. In reality, Ukrainian people are much better, much more interesting and friendly than other people expect. This podcast is about the real life, experiences, work, and personalities of Ukrainian people with a focus on the capital, Kiev, so that foreigners discover the positive truth about Ukraine, not what they see on television, visit the country, and Invest in the economy, creating more opportunities for the younger Ukrainian generations to stay and build their country. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help clean the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. And even though he got cancer and still you know, survived in bad health for 15 years afterwards. He is a hero to me and told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. So from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for the children who lost their families in the war. I could not return to Ukraine in 2020 because of coronavirus, COVID-19. So this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine and share the voice of Ukrainians on Amazon Music, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, on Apple, on Pandora, on Stitcher, and everywhere else. And thank you very much for the support. This podcast now is ranked number one on Apple Podcasts about Ukraine, top 60 travel podcasts in the UK, top 50 travel podcasts in Italy, and top 25 in Apple Russia. I think, I am sure, it's Ukrainian people in Russia who are listening and connecting back home, as well as Russian people hearing the Ukrainian voices and understanding what it means to be from Ukraine. My guest today is Olga Kushnir. Olga was born in Ukraine, finished high school in Switzerland, where she graduated with an international baccalaureate degree and is now undergoing her third-year studies at the London College of Fashion. She was an intern at the Ukrainian Fashion Week more than once, was a temp in the luxury industry, coordinated the International Young Designer Contest in 2020, and worked in London for the emerging Ukrainian designer Xenia Schneider, and she is now open to the world and to all the new opportunities that 2021 open up. Olga, how are you today? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for asking you. I am glad, happy, and honored to have you here. So to share more about your story and your life with the listener, what is your story? What is the story that made you the Olga of today? Um, well, I think it's 
everything that happened to me until I turned 22. So basically, I was born in the little tiny city in the western Ukraine, which is called Novovolensk. It's like uh, around 30 kilometers um, away from uh, the border with Poland. So um, when I was little, I actually used to watch Polish um, like cartoons. So I understood some of the Polish words, but I forgot it by now. Um, then around the age of two, my parents moved with me to Kiev, to the capital of Ukraine. So I consider myself a Kiev-raised girl although I wasn't born here. And then um, in 2014, I think, I my family moved to Switzerland. So I finished my high school in the greatest school of all international school of Zug in Lucerne. And then um, I continued my, um, you know, life abroad by studying in London, at London College of Fashion. And now I'm officially actually graduate. So of London culture fashion. So yeah, I think everything that happened with me was all of the international life um, and all of the kind of, I don't know, challenges that happened with me here in Ukraine was all of the political challenges um, shaped me of the Olga that I am currently today. Congratulations. You're graduating <laughs> and, and entering the big, big world. Uh, to ask you about a specific thing that yeah. I'm very curious about, it's this. When you went from Kiev to Switzerland, well, math was in English suddenly. Biology and history are suddenly yeah. in English. How was that experience of adaptation to going from one educational system to a totally different one? Was it difficult or easy or how was that beginning? And how did you overcome that to become a good uh, student that can graduate actually with an IB. Yeah, actually it was crazy because it was all like so sudden. Uh, my dad basically he got a promotion, so that because of him we moved to Switzerland, and I didn't even finish the school year here in Ukraine. I was in uh, a tenth, like in Ukrainian school, it was tenth grade, and so um, I just went to the new school here in Kiev as well. So um, it was everything so new to me. And then unfortunately, the war happened. And my dad was like, okay, we have to move like uh, earlier because my school was in the center of Kiev. So I couldn't like, you know, go to school because of the war, uh, because of the protests, basically. And so um, I came to Switzerland and it was, they didn't want to take me to the school because I didn't speak any English, actually. Um I was I understood everything, but it was really hard hard for me to like study and like learn stuff in English, as a, as, a, as, a, as what you mentioned. And so um, I joined um, ninth grade, tenth grade in Switzerland for I think a couple of months, and then um, in eleventh grade you have to choose whether you want to do an AP or an IB. And so due to my English problems, my like level of English, I couldn't join, I couldn't take any of the um, programs. So the school offered me to retake a year. So I did it a year again, a uh, 10th grade basically. And it was, it was like the best, I think it was the best um, decision ever because 
um, I learned I learned English and I learned German, and it was really quick because I was in the you know with among the people who spoke only English. And because of my uh, last school in Ukraine, it was the natural lithium of uh, maths and sciences. So I I was really good uh, in maths. So math in Switzerland was quite easy for me. So I had to take um, a year above only for the math, like for the subject of math, basically. Um, but the biology was really was really tough. Uh, the chemistry was really tough because it was totally different to what we studied in Ukraine. In Ukraine, I think chemistry is mostly like math and some like chemical formulas, but there it was absolutely different. But it was fun. It was fun learning. It was a different system we had in Ukraine. You could choose your own subjects. I mean, if we're talking in terms of um, IB, I could choose whatever I want. In Ukraine, you have to take whatever they tell you to take. So, yeah, it was amazing, actually. Actually, I had the same exact experience twice. I moved from systems, and then the second was a French system, and then I moved to the IB. I had to retake the year. I remember, you know, I wasn't used to having math in English, and I needed in the first day. I remember I opened in the first page the dictionary 12 times, but I guess I was good because at the end of that year, I was the best student in the school and it was really people were lovely there. And I made, you know, worked very hard to catch up both in English, studying in that way, as well as knowing that the IB was coming. And I repeated, I mean, I didn't repeat, but it's like I graduated the year in French, in the French system, mm-hmm. where then they said, "Oh, you have to redo that year." Yeah, so yeah. It ended yeah. up. It was, it was, it was hard at first because I remember how, like, um, the girls, the first like couple of uh, people I met at school, they were like telling me some something, and I didn't like got what they meant, and I was like saying, "Oh, yeah, I'm good," and they were like, "No, no, no, we ask you a different thing," and I felt so, I felt so like ashamed, like, "Oh my god," like I knew in Ukraine I saw that in Ukraine that my English was great because I got like high grades in my uh, whatever my English classes and here I couldn't even say a word and I was like oh my god what did I get to but it was it was it was fine after like I think a couple of, I think like month two months or two like I started understanding stuff and then I would um, take more classes with my English teacher and he would help me to like write um just like he would he taught me how to write the essays in the English format in like academic English rather than you know just sort of everyday casual English so that helped me a lot it's wonderful I mean you're a smart girl that's not easy and that is what builds character and maturity in everyone it's those challenges and to ask you another thing which is more cultural mm-hmm. you have lived and were raised in Kiev how are people and life in Kiev compared to Switzerland? Did you notice any differences in the personalities that were more of a culture shock kind of thing? Or like, how are Kievan people and how are people in that part of Switzerland where you were living, if you Mm -hmm. could compare them? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Well, probably the first cultural shock for me was when... um, well, Kiev, people in Kiev and just in general, if you meet like a Russian speaking person who was actually like raised um, in like post-Ustar countries, 
we are quite tough and like cold at first. I mean, obviously, if you get to know us, we're quite like sincere and hard, um, heartwarming. But um, at first, we're like really we seem tough. We appear tough to people. And in Switzerland, um, whenever you walk on the street in your neighborhood, um, people smile to you and say hi. And at first I was like, whoa, maybe like I know this person, but like I never met them before. And then um, my friend told me like, no, they just say hi to you if you walk like on their street or if you walk like up in the mountains, they're just going to say hi to you and ask you, how are you? And have this like small talk. In Ukraine, we don't do small talks. People don't like communicate if you're like in the line. We don't do this. It's like, it's so different. Um, And so I think... When and people, I mean, I still probably like this to some of my uh, Swiss friends. Um, I know I can have like um, a poker resting face, and um, it's quite hard to read my emotions at first. Um, and people didn't at first they didn't like me in my school because I didn't smile back to them, and I would never like say, "Oh, hi, how are you?" But I learned how to do this because most of my friends. Um, actually very international and a lot of them came from america and a lot of them came from uk so i learned a lot of like their culture things from them and i think that would help me like work my way like to the friendships with swiss and like other nationalities people but actually it's fun it's funny because i don't really have any swiss like swiss swiss friends because all of my friends as i said mentioned before are international like my best friend she was raised in Switzerland, but her mom is from like Geneva, which is Switzerland, but her dad is from Luxembourg. But she was born, she was like raised in the national school and like right now she studies in the UK. So like she's all over the place. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a question that is now very interesting to me to explore what you spoke about, which is the resting poker face. I want yeah. to know two things. Because I'm a very warm person and I'm the one who is bringing that small talk to the lines in Kiev. <laughs> that exists. Because, well, I love people. I think people are all wonderful and interesting and have something special about them. And I got it when I was, um, you know, small. I watched a documentary on TV about actually a journalist who she said she was raised and an ambas- her father was an ambassador. And then every time she was playing in the living room, people will come to visit and go. And then she will ask, who is that person? They'll say, oh, that is the famous ballerina XYZ, or that is the president of XYZ country or of, of this Fortune 500 company, etc." So she grew up expecting everyone to be amazing. And that made her always find something amazing about everyone. But now back to the resting poker face two things if you really really like someone without you know i'm not talking like you're trying to become more western european but naturally if you like someone do you still have that emotionless face if you like someone a lot and the second thing is um when you have that can you have a lot of emotions like you're very angry or very emotional or like a wave of emotions inside but your outside is not reflecting it or when you have that, it's both inside and outside that is calm and emotionless. Well, I am personally a very emotional person. And like I show my emotions on my face. And that's why I think I have like the poker face whenever I'm like 
thinking just like thinking of something that I'm not like liking and uh, um, I think that that's what a lot of people in Ukraine have too because if you just like what probably you saw it if you walk on the street people don't really smile they, they don't seem happy they maybe are happy inside but they would never show it to you as like Europeans would do and for me it's like I like all of my friends know whenever I'm not happy or like something like irritates me they can see it straight away from my face expressions and when I'm happy and when I liking a person like if I like talking to him or whatever if like someone I'm like fond of they will know it straight away but sometimes when I'm just like casually sitting and like thinking about something I definitely differentiate in this way from my European friends because when they just like listening to something call me they would like smile have a little smile on their face and seem like genuinely happy whereas with me it's like I'm just I don't know seem sad or like maybe like seem like I don't know irritated by something but I'm not necessarily like that inside my head but I might show it might like appear like that to other people that's why uh, my best friends always was asked like is Olga always like angry with you or something? Like why she always seems so sad or so like angry? And I was like, and my friend was like, no, no, no. She just, this is like her Ukrainian roots showing off and that's it. That's fascinating because I don't know how that happened to have a whole part of the world or a whole culture have that specific similarity in a large percentage, but it's how humans evolve and live and culturally get shaped which is amazing and i would like to ask you about either art beauty fashion like beauty as in aesthetics you know those um, greek philosopher you know justice beauty and truth are the three values the biggest values in life so i'm speaking beauty as in aesthetics in, mm-hmm. uh, and interior design or fashion design because I, I want to ask where is which one is your biggest passion there to explore together well definitely it's fashion i mean i'm not a designer myself um i'm more like the person who helps designer because my 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 major was fashion management so um i love interior design and it's like my hobby you know like um if like my friend my friend recently she bought a, a apartment here in kiev and i would like help her to decorate it because it's something like I like, but I'm not necessarily professional in it. Whereas like fashion, it's something more close to my heart and something like every day I'll be excited to do. That's no, why- then let's begin in a sh- short segment about interior design. I want to explore your mind. When you enter a space that is empty and you yeah. want to populate it, with your own design ideas and harmony. And I don't know whether you're one of the feng shui kind of people <laughs> who explore, explore those Chinese uh, sciences of how to do interior design. But really, I want to explore your mind. How do you get inspired? Do you get like some image or a memory or you look in magazines to choose like the perfect interior design for a space, room, apartment or house as a hobby as something you're passionate about well um first of all it's definitely like looking in the room as you said like i walk to the like empty space i just look around i look at the measurements of the room 
uh and then i think like okay what vibe like what like style i want to go for and then probably i will go on pinterest and i just like google or or i'll google some things up and see um if i want to go boho or if i want to go i don't know like classical like western village whatever and then i choose whatever like goes well with my um mindset and like what's in my in my head like the whole idea and then i just you know choose around the furniture i i look it up online probably most of the time um for example i probably watched what like watched all of the netflix documentaries about interior design and so if i remember those i'll go back to them and google up the brands of the furniture and then the name of the designer who like did this sort of room and then like follow her links and see what else I can add. Uh, but most of, I don't really think about like, Ooh, like I need to, as you said, like about the Chinese um, cultural traditional things. No, I just go with whatever looks good. Uh, my friend who's actually an interior designer, she uh, showed me a couple of the websites where you can pop the picture from Google and then, um, you can cut out the borders of the picture. So then you can like kind of like 3D visualize how your room is going to look. Um, I'm not like, I'm really, really bad at this. So usually I ask her to do it for me, but um, yeah, this helps a lot. And I think like, that's what a professional interior designer does. They just, they, they like draw the visualization of the room. So you know how it's going to look. Um, so I just, but I do like really basic stuff. I do it in 2d and then I just like play around where everything's going to be. And yeah, that's, that's how I do it my way. That's funny because one time, uh, I was in, in some conference where there was, um, a fashion stylist who is very famous from Hollywood. And he was speaking to people about the importance of image and style and how he gets inspiration. But a detail he mentioned, he said, you know, the life of a stylist, mm -hmm. I would order online like 50 pieces, return 45 after we try them all. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I am banned from all the shops because if I go <laughs> in, I will take like a million pieces and return 90% of them after we try them and they're like no what did you do don't yeah, return again I know, yeah i know yeah okay and to explore fashion and interior design which would be joint in this way mm -hmm. do you have a vibe or a period in history that you love or a place that you feel at home in even if in your imagination that is a big source of inspiration for you because i imagine like some designers might think oh i love the victorian era i wish i was born there so that's a big source of, for my inspiration and love for fashion or i love the countryside and that's a huge thing or like you mentioned um you know boho or uh anything like that do you have such a place that you wish you lived in a time period a place that would be your ideal place that you try to represent in the aesthetical things that you share with the world and create although you're in management not in design but still there is that love well it's funny that you mentioned victorian time because it's actually one of my favorite times in the history um but um well as i like 
when I watch documentaries about London in Victorian times, and I love all of the TV shows um, of London in Victorian times. Because, like, it's not really my aesthetic. Like, I love looking at this, and I think it would be so cool living in that era, although it might be a little dirty, but still, it's, like, amazing how all of the women dressed in the corsets and, like, in general, their fashion of those days. But it's, as I mentioned before, it's not really my aesthetic. Like, I love it. I love looking it. But probably I would not dress like that. But it's still, it's it's a huge inspiration. Because back then, um, everything was kind of neutral colors. It didn't have a lot of color. And uh, I think a lot of my um, interior design inspiration comes from that era as well. Like, I like white walls. I like... Um, gold golden frames i like um very like bright um art like a, what was called um art pieces whether it's like um in general like an artwork or some statue something i don't know um it's really fascinating thing that um london paris and all of those like huge capitals that were actually very um wealthy during those time actually right now uh, fashion capitals so london like if you look back then even like victoria um queen victoria with her fashion ideas and and uh like her the whole like buckingham palace and sam was like paris it was versailles it's like it's amazing it's it's beautiful what's inside with all of the wallpapers it's just crazy beautiful and i think that's why all of the roots they had there in their history they showed now in their fashion and it's quite quite like vivid to see the um, transformation from the back there fashion to the modern fashion that and what people wear now in those specific two capitals i don't know for me just beautiful um but yeah like i don't really i don't really dress like them i don't really like for me my i think like my style and my fashion inspiration for what i wear mostly comes from um um ukraine more than from uh europe i think so yeah well you spoke about the rest in poker face and you liked you are fascinated by neutral colors i don't think that's a good match yeah. you should at least if you have a rest in poker face have some happy bright colorful things walk around like a banana or a piece of kiwi <laughs> please no i, no, I definitely do i do wear color a lot like i love color i don't before i i didn't like it as much but right now you know I, like as right now basically i'm looking out of my window window in kiev like in my apartment and it's so gray and i just look at it I was like oh my god i really need to wear some color tonight <laughs> but yeah I like that. So you think as a design and you think in terms of colors and everything, which is not the way I think, which is very fascinating. So to ask you when you walk around, because they say something, if you become a cinematographer, that ruins cinema for you because you cannot really enjoy the movie. You look at the details and the, what is happening and the angles and it becomes like a scientific study every time you watch a movie mm -hmm. to you. When you walk around, do you think, oh, that this is this cut? Oh, it's not matching that person. They should have used this uh, fabric or this cut or this color. And so when you walk around, you're not lost in the moment, but always these design ideas keep coming 
to you even a judgment of other people's designs all over. Can you comment on this, whether that's the way your brain yeah. is thinking or you can turn it on and off? And second, you said Ukraine is your inspiration and not Western part of Europe or other parts. Can you compare fashion of the people or of the fashion designers in Ukraine compared to other parts? Yeah. So uh, first, answering to the first part of your question, yeah, I some, I used to do it a lot. Like when I was walking on the street, I'd be like, "Oh my god, like what is she wearing?" Or like, "Oh my god, like why did he, what, like why did he buy those shoes?" Like, but now I'm trying not to do it because right now I think I kind of changed my mindset whether to kind of like the the position from if the person feels comfortable wearing this why do you have to judge it like because probably i wear something people don't like people just even like think it's disgusting and they hate it but for me i think i look beautiful in whatever i wear so i think i don't do this anymore but i i know that sometimes it like crosses my mind that like ooh, i don't like what she's wearing but i'm just not gonna say anything and um yeah in general fashion of ukrainian people um it's getting better and better every year. Um, I must admit that when I was a teenager, um, we didn't have a lot of opportunity to buy um, like Western clothes. And I remember how I was like scrolling my Tumblr um, feed or my Pinterest feed. And I saw all of this like Americans wearing all of this crazy cool clothes. But I, first of all, I couldn't afford them. Second of all, I didn't have the opportunity to buy them. Because we only had um, the Inditex group, uh, which is like Zara, Bershka, and Stradivarius. So everyone was wearing the same. And we couldn't even like um, order ever- anything from online shops because nothing would deliver to Ukraine. But now, since we have more shops, and I think because we didn't have a lot of um, like Western shops, Ukrainian fashion um, grew in a very cool place and we have a bunch of ukrainian designers who are famous all over the world and i actually really i'm really proud when i see my friends in london wearing some of our like some of like designers i know and i was like oh my god you know this is ukrainian designer she was like yeah yeah i know i wanted to tell you that i wanted to show you this piece and i was like oh great so yeah and um i think ukrainian fashion like the main inspiration uh from for me is um how the people can be very stylish and very up to trend just by wearing secondhand clothing and that's something like me and my friends um used to do when i was like 14 15 and like still like probably like once a month i definitely go to the secondhand store because we have because there you can find all of those um western clothes that are popular on tumblr but you can buy them for so cheap and uh, also this is sustainable and um it's 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 amazing like i like to call ukrainian secondhand um it's like a cherry on the pie of the ukrainian fashion because i think that's where the main inspiration comes from for like kiev people um and it's like ukraine i don't know i don't know how to explain to you ukrainian secondhand it's not like your your european vintage stores it's like a pile of like dirty clothes where you can have to find the candy out of dirt so it's amazing wait this is fascinating i was gonna ask and at the end you know after the answering this please 
answer that if a foreigner, man or woman, they want to buy the good quality shoes or really trendy clothes in Ukraine, which shops for men and women are cool and which secondhand places are good. Please yeah. leave this at the end of this answer, because this is what I'm going to ask. You said that it's about piles and piles of dirty clothes and yeah. you're looking for the candy inside them which shows yeah. that you love to explore. It's like that uh, Easter egg hunt uh, kind of thing. So as a person, are you someone who likes a bit of adrenaline or a bit of newness or exploration or not having any routine and being in creative environments? And if so, how is this reflected in your life? And is it something you had since a child or I mean, is it common uh, in uh, your family or in Ukraine to be very creative and about exploring and discovering new things? Because cultures who are former Soviet Union or, like you said, ex-USSR, would tend to be more of the conservative, security-driven, no risk, no good, good routine is good kind of way. Well, um, yeah, I think like my grandparents are more like that, like routine based, but my parents are definitely like the opposite because uh, my dad, I think maybe when he was like 25, he moved to um, to the US for a couple of years, um, just like randomly. It was just like his decision to do it because he was really like, he loved um, the, like, the US. And so, I mean, that was like this risk-taking move. And I think I inherited that too uh, because I love like exploring new stuff. I love going to new countries. I love doing something new that I've done before. For example, I remember we went to Mexico with my parents and my dad was like, why don't we just do jump from the plane? And I was like, well, yeah, let's do it. And I, I remember I was there with my mom and my grandparents and we landed on the sand on the beach, basically right in front of our hotel. And it was, it was crazy. And uh, I'm, I'm still like that. My dad is still like that. We, I don't know, we do all of the extreme stuff. So probably it is, we're kind of different this from like other Ukrainian people. But I don't, but I have, I don't know, me personally, I have a lot of friends who are like that too. But I guess it also depends not just on the culture, but on the personality of the person. I don't know, because I have some of the European friends who would never jump from the plane. And uh, yeah, I guess we differ from that. I don't know. But um, answering your question about the shops, should I do it now or should I do it in the end? No, now I mean, it's yeah, perfect. Okay. Well, um, you can definitely buy a good quality uh, clothes from Ukrainian designers. And you can either go to their, um, what's called, their independent store, or you can, we have um, uh, a bunch of platforms like e-commerce platforms. You can buy their clothes or through Instagram, probably the most easier way. And whether it's for men or women, um, you can go to Tsum, which is like this huge department store we have. And we have a bunch of Ukrainian brands there uh, showing. Um, yeah, what else? Oh, the, the the shoes. Yeah, we also have a couple of Ukrainian designers who make shoes. Um, for especially we have a really one, really cool one for men, um, Ali Saudi. He's making all of this like streetwear, funky uh, chunky shoes um, and the second hand well actually when I, w- I was working for Xenia Schneider 
um, I remember buyers from Japan came and they really wanted to see the Ukrainian secondhand. And so I remember one of our like um, person from sales team, she went there and she showed them the, the, the what I told you about the piles of dirt. And she they were just fascinated. They were like, oh my God, wow, that's so cool. So yeah, I guess you can still go to um, um, what's called Lisnaya secondhand and you can see the true uh, key of um, like shopping spot for Ukrainian teenagers. That's amazing. You're almost answering a scientific question that many scientists are debating whether we are the product of nature or genetics or and versus nurture or the culture that we yeah. grew up in. And you're saying it's your father who gave you those risk-taking genetics, which is really wonderful, actually. It makes life more exciting, even if you have a poker face, yet your body yeah. is doing <laughs> extreme <laughs> things yeah. that are fun. And to ask you now, it's of course, because of the pandemic, you returned from London, where the lockdown is crazy, to be in Kiev with family and a better kind of more open environment for you, whether to meet friends, etc. Then to ask you specifically, could you live in Kiev and work if you had that opportunity? Or do you feel driven and motivated to be, for example, working and living in Milano or Paris or uh, return to London? And if so, why not? Like, what is about uh, Kiev and Ukraine now that you wish was there for you to think, wow, this is the perfect city forever? Or maybe it is already and you'll be happy working in Kiev. So please comment on this, as well as how is it when you returned from London to Kiev? Because although you grew up there, it's always when you get used to London and go somewhere else, it's almost a second culture shock. So can you comment on these two? Uh, about your future plans and whether you can live in Kiev forever, and if not, why not? And the second, returning from London to Kiev recently or not, like as recent as possible, and whether there was a culture shock and what differences did you experience? Um, well, first of all, I so basically, I my parents still live in Switzerland, so when I come to Kiev, most of the time I come here for my boyfriend because of the borders, because the borders are closed. And uh, I would love to live and work in Kiev. But unfortunately, um, the level of life I'm currently at, thanks to my parents, I cannot legally probably do, you know, like open my business and know that no one would come there if it, like whether my business is going to, you know, become global or big. I can't be 100% reassured that no one will come to me and say like, ooh, I like your business, now it's mine. Unfortunately, Ukraine is very corrupt still. And uh, I really want to change that. My parents really want to change that, but we don't know where to start. Because my dad works in IT. So um, IT in Ukraine, um, it's huge. Um and it's a legal part, um, a legal business that because which cannot be stolen from you basically. But if you work um, with something more, um, how to say, with something more 
more understandable for our Ukrainian government, it can be tricky. It can be dangerous if you want to go big and global with it. And um, even though I was working for um, Ukrainian Fashion Week and I was working for Senya Schneider, the salary is really small compared to Europe. Europe. And with this salary, you can not, I mean, me personally, I cannot do whatever I want to do. I cannot go travel because I probably would not, I can't afford it. Um, I cannot, you know, even like shop at some, you know, at some Ukrainian brands because they are quite pricey. So I wish that in Ukraine, everything would be more transparent and everything would be more, I don't know, it would be like less corrupt on the government level and not even on the government level, even like when there is some, I don't know, small transactions among people, they are still corrupt. And so that's the problem because um, every every time we have a new president, it's like a coin of dice. You don't know if it's going to be if it's going to be good or bad, like you never know. And I think the politics play an important role in the business of Ukraine. If it's something with an IT, um, it's great. If it's something with fashion, it's great. But if it's something talking about agriculture or, I don't know, some other um, areas of the business, it can be risky. And I, I wish, I know that your podcast is about, you know, Ukraine and how great it is, but it's 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 risky. It could be risky for a financial aid to come to Ukraine and be a hundred percent sure that nothing's going to happen to your money. You never, you you could, you can't know this. And I love Ukraine with all my heart, and I I really want to come back here. And I like I'm still here. Like I was this year, I was probably in 2020. I was more in Ukraine than wherever else in in the, in the world. And my parents were not really happy with it because they're like, okay, Olga, you have to find a job somewhere in Europe. And I'd be like, yeah, but I really want to stay here because I love it. I love the people in Ukraine. I love the culture, everything. But it can be quite tiring looking for a job where you can, where you know that you will get no more. I mean, for example, for me, after like I graduate from, uh, if you think, you know, from graduate from London College, it's still hard to find a job. I like a, 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 like a good a good paid job, um, like a well-paid, sorry. So, yeah, like I probably will not be able to find a job for more than $500 per month. And it's it's not a lot of money to live, in, even in Kyiv, even in Ukraine. You still, you still have to pay for your flat. You still have to pay for your car, for food and everything. So, yeah. Um, yes, and this podcast is about truth. So, of course, I welcome your true experience that you're sharing today. And, you know, on a happier a bit note, I'm not like changing the subject, yeah, no, but I had this question. <laughs> you mentioned that you wouldn't have enough money to travel, which means that you love traveling. Can you share which are because you said you love Ukraine, you, even if your parents are thinking, oh, you need to find a job in other parts of Europe, don't return and stay so much in Ukraine, yet you do, which is really cool. And traveling, do you have like a special place that you love very much and the memory that you always remember fondly about that place that makes you smile? Um, I don't know. Um, 
I mean, I love um, Croatia. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about Europe. I love Croatia. It's beautiful. The coastline is beautiful. All of the islands, it's amazing. Um, because, I mean, I love it also because I was traveling there a lot with my parents when I was younger. So my parents would like rent like a villa somewhere in the mountains for, um, I don't know, for the whole summer. And it would be like the whole summer was me, like it was me, my friends, probably my grandparents. It was amazing. Also, I love Paris. Paris is has a special place in my heart. I know, like, probably, like, oh, yeah, because you like fashion, that's why I love Paris. But also, I don't know, like, the whole historical part of Paris, wherever you go, you can see those monuments and the the buildings with history, and beautiful. And probably the place where I would go and smile, um, I don't know, because I grew up in Switzerland, and Switzerland is amazing. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's, like, wherever you look, it looks like you're on like on the picture, like on your postcard. It's, I don't know, it's insanely gorgeous. So probably the place where I would think I'll smile, it, it's, it's Switzerland. Because I always think about like how I can go hiking in the mountains, how I can look at the mountains, the amazing sunsets, the lakes, snow, gorgeous. I think that's the place um, where I feel happy. Wonderful. I can imagine it actually when you said those things and to end on a more personal specific career work kind of note can you share what is your ideal job that you have in mind right now if you could have any kind of job in the world what would you do what will be the activities or the involvement as well as what links can people go to to find more about you to follow you or even to contact you so um I mean, my ideal job probably would be uh, working on my own. And I mean, not on my own. I mean, like working for myself <laughs> with people uh, in fashion. Um, I mean, if I can also want to say that like in my future plans, it's still a secret, but I'm planning on uh, doing um, an e-commerce platform for Ukrainian brands as well. Um, and so my dream job would be definitely working with people with numbers um, in the fashion industry and with a great you know, goal in mind that to change the Kiev and the whole business that's happening here and to probably be able to change the, the local values, talking about um, sustainability uh, equality, LGBTQ, and feminism. That's what really resonates with me. Um, so, yeah, I really want to make places for um, Ukrainian women to uh, for, for, for work because that's quite um, important, I guess, in our country especially. And um, the links where you can find me, it's probably the best one is Instagram because I'm always there. <laughs> um linkedin and um yeah i don't really use facebook that much so i don't know probably instagram and linkedin are the best ones i will share both those links in the description olga you're very cool honestly and this was a wonderful wonderful episode i personally learned a lot discovered a lot and you know you got to share who you are with the world and this is what really this podcast is all 
about I thank you and I wish you a wonderful 2021 where all your dreams become true. You can find that happiness that comes from knowing that your life is exactly on your terms in the ways that you dream about and you wish for. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was a real pleasure talking to you. So yeah, it's it's great what you're doing. Honestly, amazing. Thank you for that as well.